episode 63 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan, and today we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. As always, Ash, how are things going? Peachy. <laughs> and Mark, how are things going with you? Oh, better now. <laughs> I know I didn't want to drink any coffee, so I'm going to be good in five, about five minutes. Oh my god! Oh, hold, hold, hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. All right. Yeah, let's get this going. Okay, when are yeah. we starting? Hell yeah. We're starting now? Yes. All right, let's do this. <laughs> All right. <sighs> oh, man. So we are going to continue <sighs> our trek through Rob Zombie's directorial filmography, reviewing uh, the second sequel of this podcast arc with Halloween 2. Before we jump over to that, though, another reminder, we love interacting with all of our listeners here. So you can interact with us on Twitter at Cinefessions, email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show. The number for that voicemail is 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We'd love to hear any comments, questions, concerns, or anything else you might want to share with any three of us. So that's how you can do such. Do as much. I don't know what I was trying to say there, but we don't either. Yeah, that's all right. I did. Also, I did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I can read between the lines. That's right. And I just did too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What's what's so funny? Were you laughing? No, I don't know. <laughs> what were you laughing at me? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> that's so gross. <sighs> oh my god. And also, we do have that contest still going on. You can win a copy of Sex World on Blu-ray. All you got to do is get in contact with us via that voicemail or by email and, and give us a suggestion for a director or a writer whose career you'd like to hear us podcast in a potential future podcast arc. So again, that contest is only open to U.S. listeners because of the cost of shipping, but we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you enter that contest. You have a really good chance of winning at this point. So enter away and win. All right. So... A question for our listeners, would it be good for us to upload our podcast to YouTube? I saw the Screamcast, they were talking about doing it a long time ago, and then they finally just did it today, and I'm wondering if it would be worthwhile to any of our listeners, so again, hit us up at contact at com or at Cinefessions on Twitter. Let us know, would you like our podcast to be available on YouTube? I know a lot of people are starting to use YouTube more for uh, music streaming, as opposed to using like Pandora or Google Play, something like that. And so is YouTube a spot you would like to be able to find this in the podcast? We would love to hear from you. So let us know. Mark, Ash, have you guys ever used YouTube to listen to podcasts at all? Only video on occasion. Night, Night Vale on occasion. Oh, okay. Interesting. I like, I've, I've seen a few Joe Rogan podcasts live and a few, uh, you know, a dude podcasts live. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, me being at home with the do, you know, and having that podcast happening at the same time, it was really rare. So it was more of yeah. a fluke occurrence. Like I was going on my Twitter feed and, oh, you were live. I'm like, okay, click on the link and do it, you know? Right, um, right. So that's honestly the only times I've ever used it. I know some people do use it for uh, as their podcast app. Um, I've I've just never used YouTube in that way before. Okay. Yeah, just I, I want to be able to reach as many listeners as possible. And so Heck if yeah. that's something that, you know, you listeners, uh, you'd like to see from us, let us know and I'd be happy to uh, oblige. So very good. So, Ash, what have you done this week in the world of media or 
otherwise. Binged more of West Wing. Uh, watched a couple more episodes of Gotham. That was pretty much it. Uh, been pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah, this week has been like just very busy. I uh, had my fantasy football draft last night, which I think I fucking nailed. So <laughs> good for me. But yeah, so now, Mark, you and I actually just both got new phones. Yes. I went from my Galaxy 5 to the iPhone 6S Plus, and you went from what? iPhone 6 to a Galaxy, uh, Galaxy uh, S7. Was no, it the honey, S7? No, or? it's, it's no. Like the Note 7. The Note 7. Okay. Yeah, so the Galaxy How are, Note 7. How's the transition going? How are you liking it? Um, You know what? I should have done this on Monday and not before my weekend where I had friends over mm. and watched a shit ton of wrestling. Um, yeah. So there's a learning curve. Oh, yeah. um, I'm still trying to figure out all the nooks and crannies of the phone and how to mm-hmm. use it. Um, I'll probably be able to spend more time with the phone during my night shifts mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'll have time to, to really like sit down and play with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, th- I got the basics down, Pat. I, I'm using a new podcast app called Pocket Caster. Um, oh, okay. Which I like. What I don't like is how easy this phone is to uh, how how easy it is to activate it just in your pocket, you know. Uh, like I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, you know. Yep. And um, next thing I hear, I know is I hear voices coming from my pocket because I mm-hmm. guess the way that my phone rubbed against my pant leg, at least I think it was my pant leg. Um, <laughs> we know what it rubbed against. Um, um, so like, <laughs> like podcasts just start going off, you know, things like that. So yeah. like right now, there's not very many cases for the, um, for the note seven. So I picked oh, up right. the Otterbox commuter. Okay. Just because now with, with this note seven, they've got like the stylus and I'm not sure if the, if the whole defender case where there's like the actual plastic case inside the case. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect the the stylus or anything, you know, involving the edges of the phone because it's got edge apps on it. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm being very careful with it just because I'm, well, I'm careful with all my phones, but yeah. just because there's no uh, uh, screen protector on it, I, you know, oh, okay. last thing I want is to uh, damage it. But that said, I got a sweet ass deal for this phone. So my two year plan was done with Rogers, which is my phone care in Canada. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was due for an upgrade. Now the uh, the Samsung Note Seven was five forty nine with a two year plan, which I'm fine with Ooh, because okay. my uh, because I, I like my service. I enjoy Rogers a lot, so I don't see any reason like the two years commitment is no big deal for me. Yeah. So now I traded my six S, which is one hundred twenty eight gigs. I got two hundred ten dollars credit. Oh, okay. Towards the phone, but then because I went from iPhone to Samsung. Samsung gave me an extra two hundred dollars credit for my phone. Oh, nice! So I got four ten credit for the phone. Wow! And so I paid. Uh, so I, I so I got the phone for cheap, right? Like super yeah. cheap. But right. then with Samsung, they had a promotion where you would get either the new Gear Fit Two, which is the new wearable app, like a Fitbit. Oh, yes. Yeah. Or one of their uh, kick-ass Bluetooth speakers, mm-hmm. which I don't need either. But I took the speaker. That's got okay. a value of 150 bucks right there. Mm-hmm. Plus, they gave you a free 64 gig uh, memory card to add on to the 64 gigs on the iPhone or on awesome. the on the Note Seven. Yeah, but when I went, it wasn't a 64 gig card; it was a 128 gig card. 
Oh, wow. So I got 120 gigs on top of my internal 64 gig storage, which is nice. more than enough for what I use the phone for. Right. Um, so I did have to buy two new power cords and a power adapter and... Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Just for, you know, for my car, an extra charger for my, for my work. And then, uh, you know, whatever. Um, and I find it doesn't work well with my car when it comes to like plugging it in where oh, with my, okay. because of the, the software they use with, uh, with the iPhone, you plug it into your car, it shows up as an iPod and then all your information on the screen and it links up no problem. Yeah. With the Samsungs, it doesn't work that way. So I had to, I also had to buy a uh, three and a half millimeter uh, head uh, cord, you know, like an earphone yeah, jack, jack cords. Yep. So I can plug the phone from that to the jack in the car. So it works as well. Just on my screen, on my, uh, on my car, it doesn't tell me what I'm watching or what I'm listening to, mm-hmm. which kind of sucks. And I find the sound isn't as strong because it's not, it's going from the headphone jack and not from the actual like power unit itself. Right. Um, so. If, if anything, that's what I don't like about the Android phone so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for the rest, I do really like this handset. The, um, screen is beautiful. Um, but I just don't know how to use it properly yet. Like, right. you know, it comes with the Samsung email app, but also with the Google email app. So when I get an email, I get two notifications, one for each app. I'm not sure how to <laughs> disable one yet. Just things yeah. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Trading, moving all my pictures from my phone or from the iCloud to the uh, to the Google uh, whatever storage they have, that was a pain in the butt because as soon as my phone turned off uh, at night because I put a sleep timer on it when I listen to stuff, um, it stopped the transfer. So yeah, so that sucked. I'm still trying to move all my purchased music from iTunes over to Google Play right now because for some reason my Mac times itself out when there's no usage. So I can't just transfer a thousand songs at once and it'll just go. I got to do maybe 30, 40 songs at a time. So that sucks. But once I go through this transition period, I'm sure I'm going to love this phone because so far it's yeah. been very cool. I can see already that for some reason I'm able to cast my phone to my big screen TV because it's got a rocket stick on it because it's a smartphone. So I'll be able to watch pornography. I mean, I'll be able to watch videos on my big screen uh, <laughs> right. shortly. You know, I haven't really had the chance to play with everything yet. Um, I'm just excited to, I, I just, you know, it's a little overwhelming at first because I'm so used to the iPhone ways that right. having all this extra room to run is kind of daunting a bit. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. when it, it's like when you enter a new sandbox game, like a GTA six, you know, whenever that comes <laughs> out, you know, you want to stick to like your hub right off the bat. You're afraid to go too far off the map because you're not powerful enough. That's right. how I feel with this one right now. So very good. Yeah. How, I how about you had. I had the luxury. I had iPhones back when, well, when they were first coming out, and uh, I switched probably about four years ago to Galaxy, which was, you know, definitely a transition period. Um, but going back, um, it definitely took a f- few days of getting used to. Um, but I am absolutely loving the iPhone 6s Plus. I think it's a gorgeous phone. The battery life is just ridiculous compared to my old phone. Mm-hmm. Um, the the screen is gorgeous. Um, you know, I had a retina retina no i had a screen protector okay and uh purchased before i would even ha- receive the phones and so that went on day one um i got a case for free with it it was part of our deal that we had mm-hmm. um but it was just like a cheap regular red case or whatever so that's just on there now just for uh, protection but sure. i did order off of uh, red bubble red bubble yeah um 
this awesome horror icons case, which I'm sure I'll post a picture of on my, my Twitter feed. Um, but it has like, you know, pinhead, uh, Jason, Michael, Chucky, um, you know, all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, Leatherface, all these major horror icons on it. And it's a badass looking case and I cannot wait to receive it. Everything I've read about Redbubble yeah. says that the artwork is just amazing, like really high quality. So oh, cool. I'm excited as hell to get that case on there. But yeah, I, I'm loving it so far. Most impressed by the battery life, I think is, which is just fantastic. So that's something and the, else the, with, the, with this note yeah. 7 compared to my iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, the battery life is awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I, I, can, I, can do, a new phone I can do a charge per day instead of like having to recharge it, you know, halfway through the day. So, oh, yeah. yeah so far, I'm very yeah. impressed by it. Yeah. I love the touch ID. Like, I don't have to put in my password on iTunes Store all the time. Mm-hmm. I can get right into everything just by putting my thumbprint on there, which is just so cool. Yeah. Um, I've been using Siri a good amount. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm loving it. So, yeah, we never I'm definitely long. glad I made the switch. I think she didn't understand my accent very well. Oh, okay. So, I'm like, so pretty much my, you know, response to anything she said was, fuck you, Siri, because you know, <laughs> do what uh, I want her to do. But Yeah. But- so the other thing I did this week, that's probably the only other thing that's worth uh, talking about was watch SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming you watched that. I sure did. Yeah. What did, uh, what'd you think of that? I loved SummerSlam. Okay. Only match I did not enjoy is mm-hmm. the or lack of was the Reigns Rusev match? Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I don't know why that was put as semi main event. Yeah, after that, yeah, heavyweight championships that made that was my problem me. too. The order of the card was kind of strange. Like, yeah. why would you put that as a semi main and then have it be a no contest? I thought that was just dumb as hell. But um, the thing is, okay, sure, whatever you know, like it was no contest, but like mm-hmm. you're Roman Reigns, you currently have no titles, okay? Right. You're going against Rusev for the U.S. title, mm-hmm. but you attacked him. Attack him at the second biggest paper of the year, pre-match, so you get disqualified. Right? How does that make any sense? Like just yeah. logic-wise, it I mean, makes no I know, sense to me. I know Rusev attacked first, and he retaliated, but like he should have thrown him in the ring, and you know, <laughs> had the bell rang. Don't hamper your chance of winning a belt. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, that's that's the that's really the only blip. I thought the women's match between Charlotte and um, Sasha was botchy mm-hmm. as fuck. Yeah, Charlotte, it started off. I don't know if it's the spray off. tan that she used that day or whatnot, <laughs> but the uh, the botched uh, razor's edge off the top rope looked yeah. dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, Sasha's taking all these unsary bumps. And these, yeah, she hurt her back in the match too, but she doesn't need surgery thankfully. Well, uh, but she's still out for. Allegedly, she was hurt before the match, and she's been okay. fighting hurt. Gotcha. Um, but you know, just sloppy wrestling like that is mm-hmm. not going to help your your health. You know, right? Um, of all matches, I thought the woman six man would have been a botch fest, but yeah. that was a decent match. Like, yeah, I absolutely. actually liked it. I, the whole card was interesting for different yeah. aspects. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the opening match with Jared Ko and Enzo and Cass was hilarious yeah. and set the tone for the night. Right. Um, I think best uh, moment of the night had to be AJ going over Cena clean. I went yeah. nuts, and that was that, that was match. match of the night. That was no doubt easily match of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Cena, you know, leaving his uh, yeah. never never stop fight, whatever his never gimmick. Give up, yeah. yeah, that's it. Very symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think he's actually legit hurt, and he came back too early because he needed the star power. 
And right. now it's going to go back on the shelf again to maybe Rumble, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I thought Ambrose the- and uh, Ziggler was a snooze fest. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it had to do a lot to do with the placement, too. The crowd just didn't seem into it. Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, I don't like Ambrose very much. And no, I don't like Ziggler I like, much either. Especially I after like Ambrose, Ambrose on the uh on the on the um Stone Cold podcast. Mm-hmm. He could be he could be more disinterested. Like what a mm-hmm. boring fucking hour that was. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, it don't even bother. It's, it's like yeah. he he doesn't want to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um I wish so I was reading today that basically the the reason that the end of the TKO finish at the end of the night mm-hmm. looked so kind of confused was because yeah. the ref knew that Lesnar was supposed to win, but he didn't know how. And so he was just oh. legitimately confused, which I think is just really dumb on WWE's part. How do you not yeah. – you know that that's how the match was supposed to end. Our, uh, Orton was not supposed to bleed as much. But they told Orton when he got here that it was going to be like a one-sided affair and just to put Lesnar over as a beast and he's, you know, they can't blade anymore. That's something they took out. And so he's going to, he knows how to cut you open without it, you know, without it injuring you and blah, blah, blah. Well, so much for that because 10 stitches later. but 10 staples later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah, Um, It was a brutal finish. I I enjoyed the finish because Mm -hmm. it made it look real. Same yeah. thing with Miz on uh, Talking Smack on Tuesday. That was great. Yeah. His promo. See, my problem with some wrestlers right now, especially NXT wrestlers, like you've got Gargano, which he's awesome in the ring, and you've got the guys from Revival. They're awesome yeah. in the ring, but on the mic, right. it feels so scripted. And that's what I, it takes me out of it. You know, it doesn't, they don't talk like them. At least I don't believe they talk like themselves. If they actually right. do speak that way in real life, mm-hmm. they must be squares, man. <laughs> because like, it, just, it, it doesn't flow naturally and it, it feels almost forced and, and that's too bad. Like stop memorizing lines and talk from the heart. Right. And I, you know, Miz, that's what he did on Tuesday and yeah. it looked real. People were wondering like, what the fuck? And that mm-hmm. was awesome. Lesnar slicing him open with his elbow. And as soon as I saw him <laughs> throw elbows, I'm like, fuck, this is not going to look good. I and know. And then he was open bad. Just you know, gushing it, blood. It looked real. It was yeah. awesome because it had been a long time since we had seen that. And I think the mm-hmm. Fed is going over this PG era. I think we're going to go back. I'm not saying attitude, but just a little more, a little more MMA where blood can happen, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, like it was so legit that Jericho had a yeah. fight backstage, yeah. which is awesome because one, he's, he's, you know, he's standing up for his buddy, you know, mm-hmm. or a fellow worker. Yeah. And didn't he didn't back down to Lesnar? I know. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Like props to Jericho. That guy, I am so into his role right now. And yeah. I think he's only with the Fed till the end of the year until it goes back on tour next year. Yeah, that's what I read also. But I am digging his his current iteration. Like I he, love him and Owens together. Oh man, now he's got that douchey goatee with mustache <laughs> to go yeah. with to go with his scarf. Oh, and their backstage promos are great. Like yep. now they're like they're even their WWE.com exclusive promos are mm-hmm. hilarious. There's one with them sharing a towel after their match at SummerSlam. <laughs> it's 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 worth oh. going to the site to to checking them out, you know? That's awesome. So like even like guys like Enzo and Cass, you know, maybe yeah. maybe uh Cass is a little scripted, but it doesn't feel yeah. scripted, you know? Like right. they're talking like they're they're themselves, and that's that's what I like as a fan. Yeah, I want more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you watch I mean, uh, Takeover at all? 
Uh, I watched, we were, so we went to the Tigers game on Saturday night, okay. which was a fucking five hour long Tigers game because there was a rain delay to start. So oh. it didn't start, it was supposed to start at 705, started at 830. Yeah. And then there was another rain delay in the sixth inning. And so it didn't pick up again until 11 mm-hmm. while my uncle was like, oh, let's see what it's at. And so he pulled it up on his phone. So I got to watch the main event, okay, which uh, was, was a lot of fun to watch and love seeing, you know, Shinsky go over. Um, but I didn't see the rest. I know the results, but I didn't end up watching it. Well, to me, match of the night was by far the tag match between Gargano okay. Champa and uh, the Revival. I awesome. love that match. Cool. Everything else, I was kind of ho-hum about. Oh, okay. I, I really was. I didn't know who the be the winner of the main, but mm-hmm. I know that Asuka would have been, you know, she's going to retain. Bailey's are going to yeah. get it back. Um, and I, I found the opening matches, it was kind of predictable. Ember Moon oh, looked okay. badass. I really dug her look. Mm-hmm. But is she gonna lose in her in her opener? No, mm-hmm. you know is 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 uh, glorious. Uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. Is Bobby Roode gonna lose in his in his first match? No, <laughs> you know. Right. So it felt like the first two matches were I wouldn't say jobber because they're 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 wrestling against other NXT guys. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's kind of transparent, you know. Yeah. You know they're gonna win. You just don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main, I wasn't sure how that was gonna fly, and the tag matches either, and yeah. uh, I. I fuck. I thought it was a great match. I thought it was fantastic. That uh, I, I was hoping that Joe would be called up soon, or I am hoping that Joe will be called up soon now that he dropped the belt. I would assume so. I didn't watch NXT this week, yeah. Uh, I don't, so I don't know if it's a clip show or if it's actual other matches. But uh, right. I, I think it's a matter of time that, and I expect him to be on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I can totally see him on SmackDown. Oh, he better be on SmackDown. They, they need, need him heels. on SmackDown. The only guys exactly. they have right now as heels, like legit heels, is like yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Everybody else which is they're, a, tw- a tweener, which it looks like they're finally doing something with because he came out when uh, Orton came out to talk. He came out and kind of give him a hard time. So I'm hoping it looks like a, a Wyatt and Orton feud might happen, which would be cool. Uh, I'd be okay with that. Once Orton yeah. heals, you know, you have to give him some time right. so his gashes open up again. But yeah. you know, um, yeah, it was a great weekend of wrestling. I had yeah. friends from Toronto come down. And then we had that uh, Fighting Back a Cancer uh, Foundation uh, right. uh, wrestling event, mm-hmm. which was fun. Um, yeah, I watched a lot of wrestling. I caught up some CWC. Have you been watching any of that Cruiserweight Challenge stuff? Uh, I had for a couple weeks, but I hadn't seen it. I haven't seen the last two weeks, I guess. I haven't seen any of round two action. Okay, so you've seen all of round one? Yes. Okay, so you saw the Gorgano Champa fight? Yeah. To me, that's the best fight so far that I've seen on yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. That was such an oh, yeah. awesome fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want a Psycho Killer t-shirt. I really <laughs> do. I'm just debating if I want to go on Pro Wrestling Tees or go to the WWE.com right. site yet. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting one. I just don't know which one yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, anything else in the world of media or otherwise worth talking about? Uh, myself, probably not. Between my yeah. phone, all this wrestling, and yeah. then just doing uh, research for uh, the podcast tonight. Um, I haven't right. watched anything else. Yeah, me either. It's just been one of those weeks. Mm-hmm. Been busy for yeah. multiple reasons. Plus, I worked OT. Uh, I did 20 years of oh. OT on my days off. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. I'm eating. I'm back at work tomorrow, day one. So, tomorrow's my okay. Monday. Wow. Very good. And I guess like, when you by the time you guys listen to this, if it's a uh, Friday, then be my Tuesday. And if it's <laughs> Saturday, it's my Wednesday. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to work tomorrow. There we go. Right. Yeah. All right. So. Let's jump over and talk about Halloween 2 from 2009. So, uh, keep in mind there will be spoilers, as there always is, for Halloween 2. I'm sure there's going to be spoilers for Halloween. 
Um, I, I do talk about Halloween five a little bit in just some things I compare it to, um, the original of the original series. Mm-hmm. So there might be spoilers for that as well. Uh, so just keep that in mind moving forward. So if you've not seen those films, pause the podcast and come back once you have seen those. So obviously written and directed by Rob Zombie. It currently holds an IMDb score of 4.9 out of the 36,453 votes. A Metacritic score of 35, a tomato meter of 19%, and an audience score of 45%. Hmm. It had a $15 million budget and a 58 point, I'm sorry, a $33.4 million gross. So the same budget, but about 20, almost 25 million less gross than the uh, Halloween, than the first remake. So there is that. So Ash, what is your, if, if you're still awake, I know we bored you with the wrestling, <laughs> but. Sorry, um, what? What? What, is, <laughs> what is your history with Halloween 2? Do a line for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, uh, when it first came out on the uh, video, I rented it um, way back when. And I thought I had a copy of it, but I ended up having to rent it again. So, Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was basically it. Um, I and you watched the theater. directors? Yeah. Yep. Directors okay. cut both times. Awesome. Uh, excellent. And what? Now you you said last week right that you seen how like uh, the original series Halloween two a, a bunch of times and only seen the original Halloween maybe a handful of times right yeah okay okay interesting so that'd be a, a, a different take here and what about you Mark what's your history with Halloween two uh, I have no history uh, watching this oh, okay. for the podcast for the first time last week ah interesting yeah, so fresh page okay yeah I watched this one. Uh, like I mentioned last week, I had it at the top of my queue waiting for it to come out. This was right when we moved to West Virginia was when it was coming out. And so I just started with Netflix. And uh, the first time I watched it was the day it came out. Netflix shipped it. And I watched it for the first time. Um, and so I have not seen the theatrical cut because I don't own it. I own the unrated director's cut. So that's what I watched here today. So mm-hmm. I don't... I'm not entirely sure what the differences are. I will, I do make kind of mention about what I think maybe some of the differences are, but I could be completely wrong. So there is that. And I do remember not really liking this film the first time around. So, okay. All right. So I think it's interesting here that we start with yet another quote. I think this is the third zombie film in a row to start with this white font quote on a black background because there was. Last week, uh, last week we on Halloween we talked about they had the Sam Loomis quote from his fake book, mm-hmm. and then the week before that, Devil's Rejects, they talk about the history or like what had happened previously, basically in House of a Thousand Corpses. So I think this is the third one in a row, which is just a a weird element to see three times in a row, and one of them being an unrelated film. But so. What did you guys think of, obviously, you know, this film was, this was filmed two years later mm-hmm. and uh, the actor who played the young Michael in the first film had had a growth spurt is what I read. And so they couldn't recast him. Um, what did you think of the new young Michael, the new actor playing young Michael in this film? He didn't this- really have a lot to do. I mean, no, he's basically there to, to, to be a placeholder. I mean, they could have used a cardboard cutout of uh, the kid <laughs> from the first movie for as much as yeah. they used him. But I mean, and he was, they just he cut was, the jaw. Yeah, he, <laughs> Make him talk. he was he was decent, but he wasn't. I mean, they didn't really do anything with him. Yeah. At first, it bugged me just because it wasn't, uh, you know, a consistent actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, honestly, as the movie went along, I, I didn't care. 
Like that was like the, like, I just, you know, I moved, yeah, I just, I didn't care. I kind of like this kid a little more. He didn't look as creepy. Um, yeah. And I think the, the casting didn't bother me once I really got into the film. Yeah. I think that's kind of why I, I made note of him is he, I feel like he might've even been better than the original because he, he just, he doesn't look creepy. He looks as like an average kid. And so like, you know, like he wouldn't hurt anyone. And so that having those vicious acts come out of him, I feel like could have been even more effective yeah, in the first film. He didn't look so as much as a him. psychopath. Yeah, in the exactly. First he, with his dead eye stare. So. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely – so probably one of my favorite aspects of this film, one of them, has to be the cinematography. I think they, there are just so many – really fucking great shots and it starts right in the opening here of Lori walking through the streets in the rain just holding the gun covered in blood i mean it's basically what we're dealing with is this ptsd of of Lori, and uh it's just kind of a great first glimpse at that yeah like she's she's completely in shock you know she just shot Mm -hmm. uh, michael myers in the head and now she's she's just in shock you know she's got the adrenaline pumping She's walking down the street, not knowing what to do, you know, with a ice cold grip on her gun, you know, like she's acting on instinct right now. She, I don't think she really Mm -hmm. knows where she's walked. I don't think she has a destination. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great start to, uh, to the film and it looks pretty like there are so many beautiful shots. I made a few notes, Mm -hmm. like even the shot where Michael's walking back to his barn Yes. At night. That Oh Beautiful God, I love shot. it. Oh, yes. Like so good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually quite impressed right out of the gate for this film. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, absolutely. Um I think so- it helps too, um, that the film is shot so well because this is a much slower film than the first one. Yeah. Uh, just pace wise and everything else. I mean, the kill counts higher, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, you don't. It doesn't feel like it, right? See, I I thought that the first the first film was slow, just because it took an hour before he got you know to uh, Haddonfield, well, yeah. you know. So personally, that's what I thought. I I just mm-hmm. felt the movie was upon first viewing was very sluggish, just because mm-hmm. it's just him in in the psych ward, and I want to see him donning the overalls and the knife, you know. So right. To me, it felt like it took a while. And with this, I feel between, you know, the dream sequences and whatever happened in real life, um, you saw a lot of red on screen. And yeah. Quite often. Oh, yeah. So it kept my interest big time. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, I think I would have to agree with you, Mark, in terms of that. Because obviously this whole opening scene here, uh, you know, after she once he gets into the hospital, kind of the uh, where this remake mimics the original Halloween 2 of how it takes you know place minutes later and she's in the hospital that's what the whole Halloween 2 uh, original is yeah um this aspect of it i you know even though it is a dream sequence it does it just kicks off the film in a different way than what we got in the uh in in Halloween you and know it, and it's a total tease as well because like i'm yeah. watching this for the first time thinking oh is he remaking number 2 like mm-hmm. directly right and then- you realize, you know, after that that segment that it's a dream. So I'm like, oh, yeah. awesome. So where is he taking this now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I completely forgot. To me, it's a bit like the, the new Star Trek reboot, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not the same timeline anymore. So they can kind of do whatever they want with the characters. Yeah. That's how I feel it is now with this franchise is that they're not in the hospital. They're not following the tropes of the sequel from the, from the original. Now right. he can pretty much explore whatever he wants. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is definitely a sequel to a remake. It is not a remake. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, and that was the other thing that's interesting. The hospital sequence was not an intentional homage to Halloween 2. Um, he actually, Rob Zombie actually doesn't like Halloween 2 at all. (laughs) Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, the original Halloween 2, Hmm. he didn't like it at all. So, he- uh, It just makes sense. Yeah. You know, that, uh, actually, I think probably the hospital sequence is probably one of the strongest sequences in the film. It just, it's just, yeah. It's like, oh my God, crap. It's done really well. Yeah. Well, just a section where they're, you know, getting prepped and in surgery. Oh my God. And the doctors are tending to the wounds that Mike, you know, gave, uh, both, um, Lori and, uh, what's her name? Annie in the film. Yeah. Danielle and Scout, um, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's graphic. You know, like you missing, it really is. You got missing fingers. You got, you know, yeah. fingers that were cut. You got bones coming yeah. out of the skin. Like, holy shit! Like, yeah. uh, like at that scene between the blood that Scout, Scout had on her face, or I, mm-hmm. I should go by Lori had on her face um, when she's walking in the rain, which mim- mimicked the blood at the end of the first film. Just the way that it's portrayed, it's. Dark. It's like it's drying up. It just to me, it just screams French New Wave. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it makes me think of Inside. Makes me think of High Tension. Um, to a point, Martyrs. I'd have to rewatch Martyrs though. But just like the special effects and just the pacing and and the brutality of the movie of this film reminds me of early two thousand French horror films. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a good thing. That. Yeah, a lot like High Tension. Yeah, yeah. Holy right. Yeah. So like. I was like, w- once I knew like what the actual gear this movie was in, mm-hmm. I-, I was ready to sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> right, like it had yeah. my attention. Yeah, I liked the. Um, the I-, I think too, he got away with a lot of the the makeup effects that they did do, like the damage to them and the surgery stuff again because it's medical. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, the right rated one, but uh, the theatrical cut, I guess, isn't very different at the hospital sequence at yeah. the beginning. But yeah, I have to admit, I did not listen to the commentary. I was going to, and I started, and it was just him by himself. Oh, again? And then he yeah. started talking about how people were complaining that uh, uh, Laurie's sweater wasn't exactly the same from the first film. So he's uh-huh. like, you know, whatever, people, get a life. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you for two hours. I'm just going to rewatch the film again. Yeah. So as much as I'm sure I get a lot of insight out of Mr. Zombie, I decided mm-hmm. to forego it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the speaking of that opening scene there. The doctor I love was Caroline Williams. Yes. Who's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is yeah. where I love her from. Yeah, that's right. So but, that was a great, great, another fine casting choice, which we'll see kind of throughout this film well, again. For sure. And that Halloween scene, just a uh, Halloween hospital scene, like when she wakes up from, uh, from uh, her dream. No, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. When she wakes up at the hospital and they yeah. had Moody Blues, Nights in White Satin. Yeah, yep. like that's pretty cool. Like I've always liked that <laughs> song, you know. And it, it 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 works well with the film, right? You know, very dreamlike. You know, it's like what's going on. And then you, you like at first I didn't know it was a dream, but you kind of no, a, yeah, me I completely forgotten. Yeah, there's three things that I I find that you know is a tell is is one you know the song itself because then when she goes to the uh, security guards, yeah. uh, I guess little bunker room this booth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's playing from the same point it originally started at. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That and that, you know, she falls into a pit of humans. <laughs> like, yeah, hospitals don't have that's this what I, I was like. 
yeah, they just don't have dead body pits like that. Yeah. Right, yeah. So I was like, are we supposed to assume that these are just Michael's victims now? And it's like, that's a little ridiculous. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I thought that she moved really well for someone with those types of injuries. You know, when she's mm-hmm. escaping, or I guess when Michael's chasing her. Um, yeah. And like, she went up and downstairs, and she just got got there. Her foot's in the booth, in the boot. Um, her uh, her hands in like a spinal cast, you know, with the with the metal coming out of it to keep it in right. place. The pins. I'm like, there's no way she's not feeling any pain. So obviously it's a dream. <laughs> um, but it it did take to the end of the sequence to confirm that. So you know, You're right? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just looking I back did, upon it. Yeah, I, I did think it was interesting. He doesn't use any of the Carpenter themes throughout this one until the end credits. There are it's all Tyler Bates score. There's no reuse of the original Halloween music at all. Hmm. That's right. You know what? I didn't realize that up until you mentioned it. Yeah, me either. I was listening for it. I'm like, oh, okay. We're just going with and 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 it is the same. It's the same themes that Tyler Bates originally made for Rob Zombie's other Halloween remake. But but like the the that wind up kind of wine noise Mm -hmm. uh, when Michael's coming. But it they don't use any of the the Halloween themes at all, which I thought was (laughs) interesting. An interesting choice. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, I think it's a good choice because they kind of bugged me in the first one. Just yeah, because I like it, him in the first one, but I know it did bug you. Yeah, it's just, it's not a Carpenter film. It's not my Halloween, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that, uh, yeah, again, I didn't notice, I didn't realize that they weren't in this one, but I didn't miss them. So good, good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this opening scene so much because like the, it's just, it gives us a different Michael. He's so much just he's meaner, he's more personal. The the kills are just more terrifying. I mean, they're just it's just like a whole new style of kill oh, almost because so it is so brutal. personal. Oh my yeah. god. That was I was like, okay, I'm I you got so used to him kind of, you know, doing the kind of quiet stab or maybe like yeah. into the wall and then that, you know, just kind of look at him while they die type of thing. No, not in this one. He just yeah, his, beats the hell out of everybody. His first kill, he he doesn't just cut the guy's throat. He decapitates the the guy. Uh, he was the the corpse. The guys who pick up the corpse. The corner, yeah. or yeah. not the corner, just yeah. the meat wagon guys. Yeah, the meat wagon guy. Exactly. Yeah, that bugged me. I knew it would. That wait, bugged what, me. what part? Um, him actually decapitating the guy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you would have thought the whole you don't want to fuck a corpse. That right, bugged me so much. <laughs> Just because it's, we're no longer in Carpenter uh, Halloween yeah. land, we're in Zombie mm-hmm. Halloween land, and I still okay. think his his script is toned down big time compared to the first mm-hmm. one, compared to Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. It's a much more mature script this time. I as a theme I kept going back to while I was watching because honestly, the, their conversation of bagging a corpse. Mm-hmm. That doesn't escape the realm of possibility in real life. Oh, not that they would, but just you would joke about that because you're dealing with a in a shitty job, right? Yeah, like you're you're kind of cleanup crew for accidents, stuff like that. So you deal with death a lot, and sometimes your humor will go blue. And Mm -hmm. I totally understand that. I think my humor is so dark blue because of what I used to do. Um, So I kind of that's a way to just relieve stress in a way, you know, and not think about what you're actually hauling in your truck. Mm-hmm. Um, now if let's say that he shot a, a scene or a sequence of them actually fucking the corpse, I'd no. have issues with that, right. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but them talking about it and making jokes about it, I, th- that didn't bug me so much. 
Yeah. But we'll uh, one thing about the kills before we jump to that to that sequence mm-hmm. is in the hospital, the first major kill. Uh, Octavia Spencer who plays a nurse in the movie. Yeah. Who I believe oh is what uh, is she a uh, Academy Award winner now? I believe she is, right? Oh, for um was for it that, in the help? help? I think. I, I think I think you're right. Yeah. Um her coming back to the desk and then having like her face slashed. Yeah. And not even really like realizing until you know, until uh, Lori asked for meds. Um mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Oh yeah. Like I and then she then she realizes then she freaks out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my favorite kill out of that whole sequence. It was awesome. The 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 shots he was able to get there. There's yeah. the one shot where I mean again it's just very personal, very brutal. There's a shot where he's it's kind of up a little bit higher and he's just looking down the the hall mm-hmm. and Michael's just staring down at her dead body. Yeah, I mean it's for seconds. I mean oh. It's just something, man. It's I think it's just such a violent and well constructed shot. Even it's even though it's just him standing over her. And quick question: Do you guys remember the Halloween series, the original series, being so bloody? Oh I no, don't. And not at all. No, well, not the first couple of movies. No, maybe maybe later on when it comes like H two and whatnot. Um, well, Halloween two is a little yeah. bit more graphic than yes. Halloween was. Um, yeah. it's because of the nature of the kills. Like one dude gets like drowned in a hot tub, and yeah. and a couple other things in the in the original Halloween two. So mm-hmm. it like and and by the nature of those, it's a little more graphic. But like it, it was not nearly as bloody. No. Like I, I thought when uh, when Octavia Spencer her her body's on the ground and like just surrounded by blood, I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit, yeah. It, it I I, I kind of like the realism to it. Mm-hmm. It just makes me more in tune of keep, keeping my eyes on TV and not looking at my phone, you know. Like yeah, like it just kept my interest, and I thought right. it was such a cool just. The initial swipe, like this is the first slice of a knife for the movie, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just it just gets redder and redder as the movie goes along. Right. There's a great shot also when uh, what was his name, Bobby, Buddy, Buddy gets killed. Buddy Night Watchman, yeah, yeah. He, um, you know, Michael or Buddy tries to open the door and then he gets hit in the back with the axe, mm-hmm. and we see buddy in the door and we see michael's face right through the window i was just perfectly set up to to see both at the same time and just another really good shot i, I love that that did, moment and then the, the guys, rain oh uh, did you guys watch the blooper reel no no i didn't oh my god <laughs> is it good <laughs> it is hilarious Oh, Loomis, okay hang on the uh, loomis and michael going at it uh just listening to uh, they kept cracking uh, Tyler Maine up because uh, Ronnie McDowell just, uh, uh, or Malcolm McDowell rather just kept like spouting off this random crap while they're fighting. <laughs> so oh. Tyler Maine just keeps cracking up. Oh, I need to see it. <laughs> oh, I will have to check that out. Uh, but the but there's another shot when he does the axe. He axes the, the the security guard in the back, and he pulls the the axe back. He kind of slings the axe up over his shoulder like he's he's done chopping up a tree, and gives the camera a <laughs> thumbs up. Well, that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking hysterical. <laughs> I like a good gag reel, so I'm gonna have to check. Yeah, that out yeah, the gag reel is the gag reel is worth watching. Okay, cool, cool. That's really cool. Now, uh, if we can go back to the two guys in the meat wagon. Yeah. <laughs> that accident with the cow. Oh, oh yeah. Holy uh, shit. 
I loved that. So you've got Dathan Kelly, who's one of the who's a corner, and he you mm-hmm. knew him from uh, Sons of Anarchy, from Deadwood, like awesome character actor. Yes, mm-hmm. I'll be honest. If I didn't have uh, IMDb on my screen right now, I wouldn't know his name. You know, yeah, I call him Unger. You know, like <laughs> he's awesome. And then Richard Brake, uh, he plays the the guy in the passenger seat, and I recognize him from uh, from Doom. He was in that Doom movie, and uh, he plays a similar sleazy oh. character in the Doom film as well. I love Doom. But hit, you know what? Me too. Up, yeah. up until they do the first person part. Then it just gets kind of dumb. <laughs> so stupid, but that's hey, it's okay. That's why I kind of want to watch Hardcore Harry, which I just bought. Hardcore uh, Henry, Henry, yeah. That's it, Henry, because it's all first person. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but his, like, death rattle, his, like, last few minutes, because mm-hmm. you know he's oh, going to yeah. die too from whatever, right. what's got him impaled, you know? Mm-hmm. But the way he acts in his last <laughs> few moments yeah you know just swearing out loud and those sounds right. like it feels so realistic oh yeah now, i've the never seen that in real brain. life but i can only imagine it's something similar to that mm-hmm. and i you know i i assumed myers would just go and just slash his throat yeah me too i didn't get why he cut his his head off i just didn't understand that well well, I think it's because it is this dream sequence, and so everything is is bolder and, and bloodier than it really would be because it's from is that, her imagination. Is, is that a dream sequence, though? Yeah. Is that part yeah. of a dream sequence, too? Yeah, because she wakes up uh, from the nightmare. Uh, that was part of the nightmare where she wakes up in the hospital, but she's still dreaming. So w- was there deaths before the hospital scene, or was it yes. during – yeah, that was yeah, that was uh, that was before the hospital sequence. Yeah, see, to me, the ho- I think it's only the hospital sequence that's uh, that's uh, the dream. I think the corners leaving and you know hitting the cow. I think that's well, movie real life. I think that actually happened because it never recovered the body. It never explained how the body went missing. So to me, I think that sequence actually happened. But whatever happened yeah, at could. the hospital, that's all in her head. That's, it could. that's my Very interpretation well could. of it. That's my interpretation. Yeah. But I've only seen the movie twice, so I, I don't know. But that's how I got it. So Interesting tidbit uh, between the theatrical cut and this cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one more death in the director's cut than there is in the theatrical cut. What what death, I don't know. But the body count, oh. is, the body count in the director's cut is one higher than the theatrical cut. Uh, what the is the body count? Does it give you a number? Twenty. Twenty in the thea- in the in the director's cut and nineteen in the theatrical. Okay. That's um, pretty good. Deaths per yeah. minute, really. Like that's a good mm-hmm. average. Um, but right. the uh, the other thing that's interesting, the director's cut takes place two years later. The theatrical cut says it takes place one year later. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I why, why the change? I don't know, but yeah. Well, two years makes more sense to me too, because at one point the sheriff says to, you know, his his whatever his worker to go on his porch, just like he did last year. Yeah. And she, he's like, oh, but she kicked me in the balls last year. Blah blah blah. And she, he's like, well, just sit on the porch with a shotgun then. And so that would make me think this was two years later, because yeah. why would he be on our porch? Yeah. You know, that's interesting. And, and, and so. You know, she wakes up from her from her hospital dream, mm-hmm. and just the way she looks compared to what she looked like before, like right. she lost her innocence. Both mm-hmm. her and Annie, they're they're like they're scarred up. You know, yep. Annie still has her father to kind of rely on. That's why I think yeah. she's a little more adjusted. Well, mm-hmm. Actually, she's a lot more adjusted. Um, oh yeah, Lori, she lost everybody. You know, and now mm-hmm. she's staying with them. Um, 
and it's funny that she feels alone, but you know, her and Annie did go through the same thing together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, see, like that's so I feel like Lori's her change, it was a bit on the nose. It was kind of cliche, the hair, the clothes, just kind of this whole attitude, the tramp stamp. It's a 180. But I don't it's not subtle, but like I wrote in the early and or when I was going through the film, I wrote, but all that matters is if it does the intended job. And I think by the end that it does. Yeah. And so I don't mind it too much, but it just bugged me a little bit as I was going through. Yeah. Oh, and that the thing with that though is the with the extreme amount of stuff that she went through, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of survivors will like do a complete 180. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the way they deal with everything because you know what was working before didn't doesn't work anymore, so they have mm-hmm. to look for something different. Yeah, I do find it funny though that uh, the way she looked, you know, after her dream and she woke up, it was real life. Like, oh, big blonde hair, the starting inclinations of dreads. Yeah, oh, exactly. She looks like fucking Sherman Zombie, and then <laughs> Mike Myers with his fucking mask on looks like Rob fucking Zombie. I'm like, come <laughs> yeah, on, guys. I'm looking forward to not seeing any more Sherry Moon Zombie movies shortly. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of her. Even though she's good in the last two movies, she, mm-hmm. I know she'll be in the next one. I didn't like her in the next one. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like tapping out on Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> so, and Rob, for that matter. That's interesting that you bring that up because one thing in this that I thought was kind of the weakest element mm-hmm. was this whole white horse bullshit. And, you know, I wrote down at the beginning that I think this is weird and I hope something comes of it, but it kind of, I don't know, it, I understand why it's there. And this is something that I feel like, and after doing a little bit of research, I think I'm actually wrong, but this is something that I felt like Zombie may have added in more uh, to the director's cut than maybe what was there originally in the theatrical, because a lot of it, I feel like we can do without a lot of the, the white horse shit. And it feels like kind of just added in to give... Sherry Moon Zombie a role. It's funny you mentioned that because apparently this whole white horse stuff mm-hmm. was like a last minute ad. Like from what oh, I okay. the commentary for like the first five minutes. Yeah. Like that, that was a last sense. minute thing. Like mm-hmm. then like oh and then when they shot uh, in the um, in the asylum, it's like, oh we just added a white horse to this, you know, to yeah. the shot. Like it honestly it really has no meaning. It's just trying to make yeah. it sound deeper than it actually is. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Um, so Loomis is back and Chris actually texted me, Chris, uh, Ranson texted yeah. me la- during the week and he's like, so which version did you guys watch? Because Loomis lives in the, uh, director's cut, but he dies in the theatrical. Like they don't show Loomis grabbing at Michael's leg in the theatrical cut. And so it's just assumed that he's dead. Oh, okay. Um, whereas in the, in the version we watched, mm-hmm. he does grab at it. So I guess we were to assume that he was alive, even though all three of us made the assumption that he was dead uh well i assume he was dead because he got curb stomped after you know like he that's grabbed see, mike, that's mike, what i thought he got mike's leg and i'm like well mike's is gonna put his still heel in his mouth that. yeah in the, in the in the version we watch you can see him still breathing yeah okay yeah i didn't catch that i i assumed he i didn't was either dead. yeah so yeah. Surprised yeah, that's to why see I this it's really dead. it's kind of subtle i was looking for it just to see if he was if they if he was breathing anyway. okay yeah like I was looking and missed it still because I was curious. Cause I knew he was in this one. I just I didn't know how they did it, but yeah. So Loomis is back, and he is just a, kind of another character who makes a complete one eighty. Yeah. He's just a complete prick in this film, um, and he loses all of the charm that I thought he had 
as the origin in as Loomis in the first Halloween remake. Oh, he lost all of the charm. Now he's yeah. a fucking he's he's up for himself. He's self-centered. Mm-hmm. He's doing a 180. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. a survivor as well. And instead of trying to help people, now he's trying to help himself. Yeah. So yeah, I liked the added touch of having at the book signing having Linda's dad show up. Yeah. Um. It was weird that he like pulled out a gun and didn't, and then find out the gun wasn't even loaded. Blah blah blah. I thought that was kind of strange, but I'd like that added touch there. Yeah, um, yeah. I hated Loomis in this movie, but you're not supposed to like yeah. him, you know? Right. Um, exactly. Donald Pleasance would never have played Loomis in this in this way, um, but it's no longer Loomis. It's no longer Pleasance's Loomis either, right? Um, right. I think I liked Malcolm McDowell more in this movie. Just because mm-hmm. it's his take on the character now, and again, like the like, we're not comparing it to the original films anymore, um, right? Honestly, if I can see that happening now, like he's like a Nancy Grace version of Loomis, you know, mm-hmm. he's exploiting <laughs> yes, a situation. That is a perfect, perfect, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go with that, yeah. So that's my thing. So I'm like, you know, let's say I survived a massacre, would I? <laughs> you know sell the footage on my note 7 or you know tell sell my story you know to a tablet for some cash i probably would that's what he's yeah. doing as well he's just being very gross about it right you know um and treats the the woman he's working with very poorly oh i felt bad for her i know you know i was so happy when she spoke her mind and told him she yeah. went he went over the line i'm like good mm-hmm. for you for having the backbone to you know kind of stand up for him because he's not he's not a total bully. He's just being a prick. Yeah, Dude's exactly. A prick. And I'm glad he kept getting um, embarrassed at all these speaking engagements he went to. Mm-hmm. Because I think deep down inside, he knows he's being a prick. Oh, yeah. But just exactly. once, he just wants the cash. Right. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is it's interesting. It, when he's doing stuff in the first movie and he's actually trying to help people, like he, uh, he he's not he doesn't get like they don't do this kind of crap to him. But whenever he's uh, acting really really selfishly in this movie, he keeps getting fucked over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see Chris Hardwick again in a cameo. Oh my god! Kind of weird to see Word Out in this movie. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it was. I didn't know that. Mister so. Weird. Uh, it's just <laughs> Al. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Another moment where I thought the the lighting in the cinematography was was really well done was when the rednecks kind of uh, mm-hmm. go and attack him because he's on their property and blah blah blah. When he after he gets beat up, beat up, the lights are still on him and they're getting back in the truck and he gets up and puts the mask back on. Yes, you can just see the silhouette of the nose and the eyes. I mean, you know it's the Michael mask and it's just so fucking well done. And then he gets up and does what he does. And uh, I wrote, I wrote down. I was like, "Oh man, I thought he was going to kill the dog, and and I would have died." I'm surprised Zombie showed restraint there. Restraint's not a style. And then I, and then I wrote down, Brad Dourif is proving once again he's an incredible asset to this film. And then my next note was, and there it is, Zombie and Michael not only kill but eat the fucking dog. Now there's the Rob Zombie I know, because <laughs> I'd forgotten that that happened. Did he eat the dog? I don't remember that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He does. yeah he I, thought, I thought he ate That's a it. bear. No, it's the dog. Uh, yeah, because he throws Lori, the dog down on the ground. Yeah, while he's eating that, Lori gets up from the table and goes and throws up. Yeah, yes. which is weird. For some reason, I didn't realize that was the dog. I thought he maybe had killed like a wild beast or something. 
Oh, no, no, it's definitely the dog. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, I know. Oh, I did not know that. But but why? So, I mean, it's implied that Lori is tasting what Michael eats, which I think is just weird as hell. I mean, what other explanation is there for her throwing up as Michael's eating that dog? To me, it's like they're getting, they have a psychic link. They're close to the earth together. You know, like Mm -hmm. she's seeing the apparition of young Michael and the mom. Um, Right. She's interacting with it, you know, but it's not really Mm -hmm. there. So she, you know, I I think it's just her descent to madness as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because she definitely loses it as the movie goes on. Yes. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Completely. Um, The... I liked the when she went to work. I thought there was a good moment there because it kind of, with her with the two work friends. Yeah. Because it kind of showed glimpses of the old Lori, which I thought was good because it kind of for me at least brought that whole character full circle and it felt like more realistic yeah. at least, more realized. And well, I like that. that about and it. that's the other thing too is she mentions that when she's talking to her psychiatrist that she Annie's like a constant reminder of what happened. Yeah. And she's living there, but when she's out with her other two friends, she can be more herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though she's kind of gotten all, you know, uh, she's gone down the dark, down the dark path. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting because when, it, it, and she, she tries to do it. She tries to be friendly with Annie and she just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like she just completely loses her shit on Annie a couple times in this movie. Right. Well, yeah. And apparently there's, a lot more she does it a lot more in the director's cut than the theatrical is one thing i was reading oh, really? yeah they, they they trimmed off some of the sequences in the theatrical yeah. cut it's not as intense as far as that goes okay what i liked about her job one pretty badass job coffee shop slash you know vinyl store which of course in <laughs> real life would not sustain uh financial <laughs> like you'll be able to Fuck work the there you know? yeah. yeah but just the fact that is howard hessman yeah, <laughs> I like awesome little Johnny Fever action, you know. Oh, he um, was great. Uh, he he said the blooper reel too. Oh, is he? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he completely fucks up the line. <laughs> yeah, then he just goes off on this tangent. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes, but then her friends, one's Bria Grant, the blonde, mm-hmm. and she played the speedster in uh, Heroes. Oh, okay, I've not seen Heroes. Heroes. Ah, uh, it's forgettable. But what yeah. I, I really popped for was her other friend. Uh, uh, her name is Angela Trimber, and she Who's played her friend Harley. Gorgeous. Yes, and she is in the Final Girls. She yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I was looking se- at her profile. She's the sexed up uh, one that eats all the Adderall in the Final Girls. Okay, I've not seen Final Girls yet. Oh, dude, you have to watch it. You have yeah, to. I will. Oh, uh, who's picking your movie this week? Hmm. hmm. You are. Too bad. Because I don't. Too bad I already have a pick. Oh, you don't own it? Okay. Well, I already picked something. I'm not going to change it. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah she, this is the second. I didn't realize she was in this movie. It's only after the fact. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, she's awesome in the final girls. And obviously, she's she's awesome in this one. Yeah. Um, in she's so many so just, ways. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's the, the Charles Manson poster hanging above... Lori's head. Surprisingly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, she's weird. Yeah. Well, she's trying to. She's trying to cope. She's cool. Yeah. Exactly. You know, she's trying to be normal, but yeah. to be normal, she's taking it to the extremes. Thus, right. the air, and thus the, you know, the mm-hmm. you know, liver let die type of you know bravado she's got. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, but this, I, I understand why she's lashing out and trying to you know change herself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, yeah. at least she's not following any bagels because that was just bad form to begin with. You know. <laughs> So if we can get like as one, long as she ain't following bagels, you know the bagel sequence was not in the theatrical cut. Justin. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So I mentioned earlier that I would talk about Halloween Five. So I think so. There will I'm going to talk about Halloween Five, and these are spoilers, so be aware. Uh, I assume you two have seen Halloween Five. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there are three moments where it really reminded me of Halloween Five. So the first of which was the daydream that Lori has where she dons uh, young Michael's mask and outfit and then ties Annie up and kills her. It reminds me a lot of the end of Halloween 5 when it's Daniel Harris playing, I forget the character's name at this point, but the young character. And she's kind of taking over as you know the killer in the series, which is never obviously fleshed out in the future entries but yeah isn't that um, in halloween four where she dons the mask at the end and then in five she's in the the, the psych ward uh, that could very well be i believe i, th- I believe it's in a four where she uh where she puts the mask on and then she becomes a bit of a mute in five and then she's got uh, the blonde that kind of walks her around to go for ice cream yeah, for some reason, man, I had in my head that that was five. Yeah, because okay, yeah, you're, right. you're probably right. You know, because this film I found had a lot of two, four, and five in it. So obviously yeah. two because of the of the hospital, right? Um, and then also thought of four because in four Mike gets uh, uh, he goes into an ambulance and then smashes a guy's head into bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, you had the two corners die, um, and then also you have uh, the the police shootout that happens in four as well. You know, yeah, where he gets gunned down comically, and then right. gets thrown into a creek, and then floats away, and then starts up yeah. in five. So yeah. yeah, there's elements of two, four, and five in in uh, this film. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, they had the the cop sitting on the porch with the shotgun. Yeah, it was either four or five. Now I'm confused. Uh, that, but... I believe it's five. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. That's five. But yeah, so it was just I'm, that's basically all I needed to say about that. It's just very clearly he's taking elements from those films. Oh. I would. There. I'm glad you saw that because I had the same feeling. Yeah. You know, like he, he, he's not stealing scenes, but no, there's, no. There's, there's hints of it, you know, mm-hmm. which again, I, I, that I don't mind. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Lori explodes at her therapist. Now that scene I thought was actually a really good scene, but man. Did you two, it, okay. It, did you two, either of you realize that that was, that her therapist was the original Lois Lane in the. Superman. Uh, in the yeah, in the John and the Donner Superman films, yeah, Margot Kidder, I, yeah, 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 exactly, yep. Um, what she was in something else because I looked at her, I knew she I recognized Black, her, and I Black couldn't Christmas. place her. Ah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. She's in a couple Fucking episodes Black of Christmas. Law and Order too, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, but yeah, she's the boozer in Lost Christmas or uh, Black yeah. Christmas. That's a such an underrated film, mm, and the and the remake's good too. I know I need to watch that one still. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I, I was annoyed at that scene just because I think it's just Scout's voice kind of bugs me sometimes. She's very yes. – so, so sometimes she gets very whiny and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, stop. Oh, was but, she, she kind of baby-ish maybe? <laughs> You're very right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it was really tense because I genuinely wasn't sure if she was just going to, like, 
hit, start hitting her, just start hurting her in some way. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And so I thought it was just a well done scene in that sense, mm-hmm. but it did annoy me at points. Yeah. Well, it's just her whining, you know, and exactly a little like, you know, she went through all her pills. So she's right. gaining a dependency, you know, she's mm-hmm. drinking right now. She's abusing prescription pills. Her future isn't so bright unless she has proper help. Right. You know, but again, she's yeah. still healing. Right. So mm-hmm. you got to give them some, some room to figure things out for themselves. Yeah. So I remember hearing in the commentary for the first one that he, Zombie had filmed more scenes in the Rabbit and Red Strip Club, but ended up cutting them out. And so I like that we got to see more of the Rabbit and Red Strip Club on this one. Me too. And uh, the, the, the scene behind the club where, I don't know the guy's name, but he gets where Michael kills him. It was just brutal as hell. And then like him hanging there yeah. with his face just like decimated, just destroyed. Oh, it was just so fucked up. Yeah, that's uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips. Uh, he played Howard. Okay. Uh, but he's, Howard. He, pl- uh, he is going to be in the, uh, the Lords of Salem. He's one of the oh, three okay. DJs in Lords of Salem. He was good in this, so I'm sure he'll be, you know he'll be interested to see how he is there. Yeah, I liked him. But so he plays that character where the, he gets his just his face caved in. Yeah. I, I, you know what? In that scene, Made me think of um, Irreversible. You ever see that movie? I've not the, seen the Irreversible. Film no. Where it starts from the beginning, goes back to the big, uh, to the starts at the end, and it goes back to the beginning. So oh, all the scenes okay. are backwards. Oh, it's a tough watch. Yeah, there's a pretty lengthy rape scene with Monica oh. Lucy, and that's what the film's kind of known for. Okay, uh, but there's a pretty horrible death at the beginning of the movie, which reminds me mm-hmm. a lot of uh, this kill here. But instead okay. of using, That's been on my- yeah, instead of using a, a, a foot, uh, the guy uses a fire extinguisher on the guy. Oh, okay, yeah. So very graphic, like it, it flashback to that yeah. movie right away. Um, hmm. It's a very good film, though. Vincent Castell's in it; it's, he's awesome. Yeah, it's been on my two watch list for years. Yeah, yeah, I think it's from 2002. Okay. Um, it's 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 a good film, but it's one of those movies that like I own. I think I've only watched it one time. Yeah. You know, it's one of those you know, you watch it, you store it. You don't have to watch it. You never get into the mood to watch it. You know. Right. Um, but it is a good film to explore. You know. Um. Yeah. So that guy who gets killed, the uh, Jeff Dana Phillips, he's also the host of the Rockabilly Halloween show that they're at. In the oh, makeup, okay. in the, in the, I think it's a Doctor Phillips um, makeup. Hmm. You know, with with the uh, with the uh, with the band. You know, they go to that Halloween party. He's oh, the guy, he's the <laughs> MC guy. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Which I don't know about you, but I've never been to a Halloween party like that, and I, I want to be. I but would I love to go to Halloween. <laughs> the when the stripper gets killed, <laughs> that was. Just fucking another case of kind of that over the top brutality yeah. at its max. Man, that was brutal. And well, not just. I think the the sequence like right before yes. that with the yeah. her boss, just the yeah. arm. Oh my god! Oh god! Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Michael is playing with him. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to break as many bones as possible before he actually croaks. Because <laughs> the look he gives her at the end of the hallway with his hand in an degree angle, his mm-hmm. half his face. Seems like it's been twisted, you know, maybe in pain. And mm-hmm. like his bone is exposed. I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to be good for her. She's not going to have a good uh, ending to the scene. Right. You know? So 
I'm kind of moving forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. One thing I wasn't really understanding is why – so why does Michael go from that party that was kind of in the middle of nowhere back to Annie's house? Because I feel like he would only be at the party if he knew that Annie was uh, – rather that Lori was there. And like he can't see her leave because he gets to Annie before – they get before uh, you know Lori and her friend get back to the house. So I was kind of confused on the timeline there. Like, why would he be there killing poor Wolfman, who's about to get the lay of his life? Oh yeah, and and Harley. Yeah, like which her being strangled was just another like. Ugh. Yes, <laughs> man. And the lack moment. of sound. Yep, it's exactly. White, and then you hear the crack mm-hmm. as he squeezes. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. But so cool that the sound in this film is just fucking bang on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, so you're asking why? I think because, you know, in his head, he's found uh, he, he's found Angel. So, yeah. I, so, again, I'm totally guesstimating this off the top of my head. But my take mm-hmm. on this is that he's got a psychic link with her now. Thus, oh, yeah. him being able to eat meat and her throwing it up because she's anti-meat, da-da-da. Um, yeah. So I think they can probably sense when they're near each other, and that's why he left the party. Yeah, but got there be. sooner uh, because, well, you know, girls don't drive well. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't know how he got there before they did. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think he can sense it. I well, I yeah. got the impression too that they were at the party a lot longer than like like there were like. Because Lori is like trashed mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. by the time they leave, and when he kills uh, Harley, she's nowhere near that trashed. So I got the yeah. impression that they've been at the party for a long fucking time before yeah. they leave. So I think that that could be part of it right there. Right. And then speaking of that, so Annie's death scene I thought was just perfect. So. In the beginning, we don't see any of it. We just we kind of see the start, which they have those like slow motion scenes, and then we just hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, fuck, that was effective. I thought that was brilliant. And then we kind of we get the we get to see parts of the death scene later on in this you know this like chaotic montage of Lori walking into the room and getting into the house and you know her death scene. I th- the thing that the God thing damn. I think that that gets me is he basically does the same thing to Annie all over again that he did to her in the first movie. Yes. Yeah. I look- almost identical the way he left her on the floor for Lori to yep. find her, what mm-hmm. he did to her. And it's just like, it just, he's had more time with Annie this time than he did. Yeah. In the first movie. I, I it, think the look she gives him when she realizes that he's in the tub, when she's in the bathroom yeah. is like a, yep. Oh, here we go again. Exactly. You know? It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it's then, chilling. Oh, yeah. And she dies on camera, and it was, I mean, heartbreaking. I I absolutely love that zombie. He takes this moment to let her death sink in before he starts having Michael come through the door. And it's just another sign of how he's maturing as a filmmaker and getting better, I think. Um, and all – because all I could think about was what – how is – how is her dad going to react once he sees her? I was just like, man, it was running through my head. Oh my god! And then when he does, nailed yeah. that. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, he's so great. 
And like the montage of her as a little girl. I mean, yeah. I teared up. I'm not going to lie. It was just such a strong choice by Zombie to have her death mean so much when every other death didn't have nearly the same impact in any of his films except for this one. And it's such a good a reason why. This just – it never would have happened in Zombie's earlier films. And I think it's showing so much growth as a filmmaker, which I love. One thing that kind of bugged me with uh, his uh, – with the performance of um – of um uh Dorif, Dorif. was that so he's at the first crimson at the beginning of the film right mm-hmm. and he's he seems very calm like his daughter was not involved you know mm-hmm. when they're loading the bodies up and whatever like he seems okay but now in the second one now that she's dead he has a complete you know he snaps a bit you know Right. Well, I think the the other part of that is in the f- beginning of the film, he's already gotten his daughter to the hospital, and he, he, you know they're, they're now he's just being a cop. Yeah, he's he cop switched right. over to cop mode to clean up the 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 crime scene and get rid of everything and yeah. make sure everything got taken care of. And then this one, he's just he's completely broken because there's no saving her now. But don't you think though, because she was so brutally like you see you saw her body. You know, mm-hmm. uh, during the hospital scene, why would he go back to the like? You think he'd be by her side, and not still there at the at the original crime scene? Well, right? the, the 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 hospital sequence though too is also a dream sequence too. So, uh, yeah, I see. I think the dream sequence starts though when she gets up to go see her in the room. Uh, I, I still yeah. think the whole like fixing up and st- stitching together that's still legit. Well, yeah, I, I think at least, you know, again, it could be wrong, but uh, I just found him to be very calm in the beginning and then him just, you know, the complete opposite now, which makes sense. I think I didn't think like, if I was in his shoes, I wouldn't have been calm in the beginning either, you know, but you're right. Maybe yeah. the whole thing's a dream sequence. Who, who knows? You know, um, I just don't think it was. I don't know. I just feel like it's one thing to have your daughter in the hospital. And another thing to see her dead on your bathroom floor. Yeah, but she, dude, she looked dead in the first one. Like she, she was, she was fucking toast. Like I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, but she was talking and everything, you know. Well, like, yeah. yeah, but it, there was there was more going on in the first one. Like he still didn't know where Lori was and yeah. other yeah. stuff. And then uh, the other thing with that, there too, when they're loading up the bodies, we don't know how long he was at the hospital before he went back to the crime scene. Mm-hmm. That's true. I just think, like, as a parent, well, okay, I'm not one, but if I were to be a parent, I'd stay by the bedside. Like, again, if she's in surgery, there's no point staying in the hospital. I don't know. Well, I'm I, just, I, I, it just, it I just think if right it wasn't like the sheriff, I think yeah. he probably would have stayed at the hospital. Mm-hmm. But uh, being, you know, the one in charge, he wanted to make sure everything got taken care of and yeah. that nothing got fucked up. And it's like, you know, you go to the hospital, you make sure your daughter's okay. And it's like, okay, she's going to be out for hours. Okay, I got time to go take care of this other shit real quick. Yeah. But he, he did have Bill uh, Fagerbakey as his deputy. I, that, he, that, would, that would ensure me going back to the crime scene to make sure that things are taken care of. M-O-N, that spells Myers, you know. That's, that's a, a, the stand joke, folks. Oh. From, from 1984. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love the stand. The, the oh, thank the, the, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> but he was also, I remember more from uh, Coach. From Coach, yeah, yeah. And and Coach, he wasn't exactly bright there either. <laughs> no, no, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff's greeting to Loomis once Loomis arrived 
Loomis arrives at like the final scene mm-hmm. was just perfect. He just knocks him the fuck, like punches him out. And then it's just like, I want to shoot you so badly. Yes. Like, yeah, just great. Uh, and you know what? That is exactly how I would feel too. So to yeah. me, that's a perfect reaction to having that exactly. guy show up on scene. No, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So what did you guys think of Michael taking off his mask and yelling die to Loomis before he killed him? It's the first time he's spoken, what, 20 years, 25 yeah. years? Um, you know, it shows that Loomis never Loomis never helped him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always about, you know, writing a book and making him famous in a way. But, like, long story short, these 20, like, all this time, you know, that he was in therapy with him, wasn't there to help him as well as to help, help himself you know what i mean like it wasn't to help M- michael but to help himself to make himself famous so he didn't have to do that anymore yeah. um so yeah he's like yeah i never i don't like you you caused so much grief in my you know for my family you know because well again you can't take for responsibility like you know his mom died because you know michael killed a nurse in front of her practically um but uh yeah just like loomis was loomis promised him to help him and it just that help never arrived. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it. Well, and the other thing with that, though, too, is they kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier on in the movie. Uh, Michael actually, like, makes noise when he's doing stuff. Yeah. He grunts. Like, yeah, he, yeah he didn't do that in the original Rob Zombie version at all. Like, the first the first film. Uh, but he does in this one. Like, he, he it, all throughout the movie, he, you know, grunts or growls or, you know, whatever. Or scre- yeah. Yeah, I think he cries out and, like, Rah! you know, at one point when he's doing it. But, yeah, it they kind of alluded to him being, I don't know, I... I don't want to say more broken, but more like more. He was like, I'm done. You know, this is this is it. This is my last my last shot. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to make sure everything goes the way I want it type of thing. And then Loomis showed up and fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, I felt normally this is a good normally it's a good thing to humanize the character. But I felt in this sense, it almost humanized him. Uh, too much because he's been built as just this monster at this point. Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure that I really liked that moment too much. I'm, I can't say I did or didn't, I guess it was just, it stood out to me as odd, I guess is, and and noteworthy, I guess that's the only thing I can say about it, but it was, it was different. It was strange. I'm just surprised how, uh, how, I liked seeing the mask damaged. We kind of saw half mm-hmm. the face. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool, and it makes Absolutely. sense. Like that mask went a lot of uh, a lot of trauma, right. you know. So it yeah. wouldn't be in prison condition ever anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it being all beaten up and ripped up, and like he's, yeah, I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, those final moments when Lori's uh, when Lori gets shot and Zombie uses that kind of that pause effect mm-hmm. that again that we've used in the past. Yeah, and then you know I loved it. You got, you know, licensed music. Love Hurts. This, like, <laughs> rendition of Love Hurts starts playing. I fucking loved those moments. I thought it was so great. Yeah, I liked it too. And then the final shots of kind of moving, you know, the overhead shot moving up and seeing them all laying there. Now, do you guys, what was your take on that? Is, is everyone dead? Or do you think when Lori's shown in the next scene in the hospital room, is that real life? Or is that kind of just... 
I I think what? she is alive in an asylum. She's completely bonkers nuts. Whatever powers that Michael had, she has now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, well, maybe not. Well, maybe. I don't know. Whatever psychoness is now transferred to her. Yeah. That, that's my take on it. Because she sees the mom, you know, uh, and she's, you, you get a glimpse of her, like, smiling to her mom at the end. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, to me, she's alive, but she's completely nuts. Yeah. What about you, Ash? What was your take on that ending? Um, I... I- I don't, uh, I liked Lori's part of it. Just the expression she gets on her face at the end is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's creepy as hell. And I, yeah. she, she, it looks like she's channeling younger Michael there. Yep. Yeah. And that, that worked for me. Um, I don't know that she's alive. I, I think, uh, I, cause just from the interview that zombie gave, um, he was talking about it. Um, the uh, asylum shots are supposedly like her last thoughts type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's gone. I, I think she got shot too many times and just all the other trauma and everything else she'd been through. Just it, she's gone. But yeah. Yeah. I hadn't even considered the fact that she was dead until I was reading after the fact. And so initially I thought, you know, she's alive, you know, and she's just in this hospital room. Um, but I mean, it kind of makes sense because the room itself is really strange. Like there's a bed at one end and there's a really long hall, Yeah, which is just kind of, is unrealistic. Like you wouldn't see that. Um, and so I kind of want to jump onto the, she's dead bandwagon. Cause that's, you know, kind of the, that makes more sense to me, I guess. I could see it happening, but mm-hmm. I, I just find this, the, the way it's shot, um, I kind of think she's alive but the room yeah. didn't make sense because it was an open room and then when the camera went to the other side like right behind Lori, it was mm-hmm. a closed wall so it's very possible that she is dead yeah um, the, you know he left it uh, in an ambiguous fashion to right. have this discussion so yeah exactly yeah I and mean, you can take it either way and mm-hmm. right it, and you know it, it I, I obviously doesn't matter because they're not going to do any more rob zombie versions of halloween they're doing a complete new reboot or whatever I would love to see his take on uh, on Halloween three. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see his take on three, the season mm-hmm. of the witch. Uh, yes, yeah. So, Ash, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for Halloween two? Um, I honestly, I think I liked this better when I rented it like the first time. Um, oh, okay. I don't. I don't. I and I like most of the movie. It's pretty good. Um like the sequences with Michael as a kid, I mean, they, they work, but I don't, it, it feels, it, it almost feels tacked on like Loomis almost feels tacked on. Like you could excise Loomis almost entirely. Uh, actually you probably could just excise Loomis entirely out of this movie and it would still work. Um, you just That's have to have, point. A di- you just have to have like a different kind of impetus for Michael crashing through the wall at the end, you know, and he could have been going after Lori, you know, you could make, you know, you could make it work. Um, I, I don't know it. I, most of it. I, I'm like, I said, I like most of it, but some of it just kind of feels kind of little tacked on. And I do appreciate that he's gotten much better as a filmmaker with this. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the, with, uh, Annie's character, that, that whole sequence actually has some weight to it. Whereas like in the first Halloween movie, like 
her friend, her other friend's death in the house had like no weight to it, even when they found the body. It's right. kind of like, oh, she starts crying. And it's just like, but there's no, there was no weight to it. You know, it's like, oh, she, you know, it was just like, oh, and in type of thing. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's pretty good. I still like it. I like the fact that um the unintentional homage to the original Halloween two in the first, you know, the opening sequence of the the hospital. Uh, even if he didn't intend it, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, I think uh, overall I, I enjoy this one, so I will. I'll give it a three out of four. Okay, awesome. And what about you, Mark? I loved it. Awesome. I legit think it's one of the better slasher films in the last decade. I can't think Hell, of yeah. any other ones recently. Even like even the last like from like oh nine to now. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that I, I enjoyed so much as this one. I don't know why I loved it so much. It just <laughs> hit me in the right spot. Even upon rewatching today, I dug it. I think what hurt this movie at the box office, that it was a Halloween film. Yeah. I really think if it wasn't a beloved property, that people would go gaga over this. I really mm-hmm. do. I think just because it was Mike Myers... And not somebody else. Because really, you could. this doesn't have to be Myers anymore. Yeah. Yeah, this could have right. been anything. Um, I thought it was dark. It was violent. Hints of humor. Um, very small hints. Um, but I, I thought it was fucking amazing. Like, I legit think this was... This is probably the... I can't think of a better slasher film that was made since, like... Since, it, since this came out, since 2009. I can't yeah. think of anything. There's been slasher films, but this one to me just like as like not as just a horror movie, but as a slasher movie, this one mm-hmm. tops it. I I gave it a, a five out of five on Letterbox. I'm giving this a four out of four. Ah, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. Yeah, finally, I think it's his best work. <laughs> it's zombies' awesome. best work. I I still haven't seen Super Beasto yet. I'm still waiting to get that in the mail. No. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, he peaked here and then immediately went to the toilet with the next one. Yeah, and like and like Lord of Salem, I did not like as much as this one, which we'll talk in a future episode. I think this is his pinnacle so far. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure why I didn't enjoy this movie the first time around. No. Uh, I, I really don't know why, because I absolutely loved it this time. Um, I'd even argue that this is a, a stronger film than the first remake, which... You know, I didn't expect. Uh, It's more mature. It's bloodier. It's more personal. And it's just all around more fucked up than that first one. Um, Some of Lori's changes are a bit in the nose, but I feel like they pay off at the end when it's clear that her psyche is snapped. So I'm fine with it. Um, I wish most of the white horse stuff was out of it because it just feels tacked on. I just – I didn't like that part of it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But – you know, the acting was spot on. Brad Dourif really stole the show for me as uh, Sheriff Brackett. Um, I love Tyler Maine as Michael even more here because we get more of the actual actor yeah. instead of the mask, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not positive I agree with all of Zombie's decisions with Michael in here and this film, but for the most part, he came off as even more powerful than the first one, which is a really good feat. Um, I honestly, I'd be more excited to revisit this film again than the first remake. And I never thought I'd say that coming in. So... Um, I almost wish I could give Devils Rejects and uh, – <laughs> or let's see. I, I, with this one and Devils Rejects, I wish I'd rated the first film 
kind of like a 3.0 because I liked so House of a Thousand Corpses and Halloween because I like this one better. I still um, am not giving it four. Um, I'm going to give it 3.5 for the fourth time in a row. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I really, <laughs> in terms of underrated slasher films, this has got to be toward the top of that list. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half out of four yet again. <laughs> right on. Hell yeah. All right. So from Halloween, we move into the besting the backlog challenge. This is officially round one. So this new feature for this podcast, if you uh, weren't listening last week, um, it is the best in the backlog challenge. So basically what we're trying to do is conquer our own personal backlogs one week at a time, whether that's our you know unwatched pile on Netflix or if it's our home video unwatched pile, it doesn't matter, whatever the hell it is. Um, we're trying to get through those. So each week we're going to pick a film for another person, challenge them to watch that before the next podcast. And then they're going to answer five questions about the film. What's the film about? Why did you add it to your backlog initially? Did you like it and why or why not? And would you recommend the film? And then will you watch it again? So I picked for Mark and Mark, you watched Bat Babe, the Dark Nighty. I sure did. <laughs> Yeah, Mark picked for Ash, and Ash watched Hammer of the Gods, and Ash picked for me, and I watched Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. So, Mark. Yes? I have got to know. Yes? How was Bat Babe, the Dark Knighty? Oh, as much as you think it's going to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Excellent. Okay, so, so again, backstory on this. So, yeah. So, I own this on DVD. One of the first Wasteland films or Wasteland events I went to, uh, one of the actresses from the film, Ruby DeRocca, um, she had, she guess she was at one of the booths. So we started talking and I felt I couldn't just, because we spent like, probably a good 10, 15 minutes talking. I felt like I can't just leave a table and not buy something because you gave me your time. <laughs> I feel guilty. Um, so I bought one and I bought this just because it's Batman related. Mm-hmm. In the loosest sense. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I've had this since, what, 2010? And I'd never oh, watched wow. it before. But it's signed. It's a signed copy. Awesome. Um, so, yay to me. Um, so, so, what's the film about? Okay, about. So, in this movie, uh, the villain is the Jerker. Instead I love it Joker. already. No, it's horrible. Uh, okay, first of all, this is a Seduction Cinema Studios film. So, <laughs> seduction Cinema did a lot of movies like Misty Mundane. So, if you've seen a Misty Mundane film before she yeah. changed her name, um, it's it's like a Cinemax movie. Or think of it as a porno with no payoff. <laughs> it's boring as fuck. Um so you'll see, like in in this film here, you'll see a lot of uh, lesbian rubbing. Um, girls make <laughs> each other, but like just like rubbing their bodies against each other, leaving their panties on. Um, maybe a nipple flick once in a while. <laughs> Boring. Um, Bad Babe has sex scenes where the guy leaves his pants on, but she's like dry humping him. Um, so she's like getting off, but he's got his pants on. It's, it's fucking dumb. Um, it's yeah. it's not funny. The humor is flat. Uh, the action is non-existent. Like the Jerker, he flies away in the helicopter, but it's shaped as a as a uh, rubber cock with a propeller. Like the budget on this is maybe a thousand dollars. 
And oh. what's funny is I'm watching this, and a guy at Wasteland that I'm friends with on Facebook, Forty uh, Second Street Pete, he's a he's a, a dealer at uh, the Cinema Wasteland shows, and he's got a table with Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff and wrestling. He hosts the uh, wrestling hardcore hour every Saturday morning, where it's all death matches and crazy stuff. Um, he's got a small role in this movie, so he's got a few lines. I'm like, oh, that's Pete. So now I feel I have to bring this in this way son for him to sign it. <laughs> um, so what's this movie about? I know we've got five questions here. So it's about the jerker steals all the porn and video. Uh, so all the porno videos and magazines from um, the town of Gotham or whatever they call Gotham there. I just couldn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> so that he can create sexual tension and frustration. <laughs> so that's that's what's the about. Oh, I'm so happy with myself. Yeah. Okay. Question and so two, uh, is why? Um, well, why did I buy this? Well, I pretty much said it already. Yeah. Um, alike. No. <laughs> I did not like this movie. Yeah. Um, now, okay. There's a few scenes in this movie, like the acting scenes, I actually did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, so Harvey Dent is the Batman version of uh, uh, the attorney, right? So in this one, it's Henrietta Bent, and she is a uh, she's a uh, bisexual attorney that is covered in tattoos, and she flips a coin to see if she'll be on top or on the bottom when she has sex. <laughs> this is fantastic. It's up at top, oh. and her nipples are tattooed <laughs> like flames, so it looks oh like the my top God. half of her tits are on fire. <laughs> Uh, yeah um and so the girl who plays bad babe it's darian kane d-a-r-i-a-n and kane is with an at the end um so i went to her website so she calls herself a a horror actress slash porn star so she's done (laughs) porn uh you can tell she's done porn in this movie um just because the dry humping seemed very natural i think you she flashes her vag once or twice Mm -hmm. um but again it's it's this movie is not sexy. You know, if I was thir- this movie would be sexy if I was thirteen years old and watching this on Cinemax. Yeah, yeah. But now kids, the age of eight years old, can watch hardcore porn on their. <laughs> so I, I find these types of films are kind of extinct. To be honest yeah. with you, like I was, I, I just found this boring. Anyways, so mm-hmm. did I like it? No, but there's one scene where she does a. Um, a Christian Bale style Batman voice in uh, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon's office, whatever the guy's name is in this one. Uh, Commissioner Boredom. <laughs> there you go. It makes sense. Um, yeah. And they evoke all like New York accents or New Jersey accents. So it, I found that humorous mm-hmm. just because, and not, not that I'm laughing at the accent, but it was like overplayed accents. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, she's doing the Bale, uh, Bale uh, Batman voice, or at least a, ver- a female version of it. And they're like, what's wrong with your throat? You know, it's something wrong with your... Like, anyways, I thought that was funny. <laughs> so that's really the only scene I liked it and I liked the movie. Yeah. Um, so question four, do I recommend it? No. Uh, question five, would I watch it again? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I would not Good. watch this again. I apologize for making you watch that. No, no, um, it's my I was... fault. I bought it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So um, I'll, I'll uh, jump in here next. So I watched for the first time Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. And so 
you know, what's this film about? Um, basically, so a wanderer named Breaker has the last of seven keys that hold the power to eliminate evil and protect the world from darkness. The evil collector, however, possesses the other six and assembles a team of walking dead to take out Breaker. So that's what the film's about. Why did I add it to my backlog? Because it is a Scream Factory Collector's Edition, and I am trying to have a complete set of that. Um, I actually was planning on not buying this initially because I actually owned the like two-pack on DVD, mm-hmm. and having never seen them, I didn't think I needed them. But then I decided I was going to buy everything from Screen Factory Collector's Edition, so that's why it is now in my backlog. Um, did I like it? I did. Um, the cast is, is really great. Billy Zane, William Sadler, Jada Pinkett before she met Will Smith. Um, and founder, she's, she's awesome too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, there's so many great actors. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church is in this one. Gary Farmer. Uh, I mean, it, there's a lot of really fun actors that I recognize from other things. Um, it felt very, at, at least at the beginning, it felt very, uh, you know, made for mid nineties, made for TV, um, which, it's not, you know, I'm not saying it is. It just, that's the, the feeling that it, I got initially from it. Um, but then uh, the action picks up and it gets a lot more exciting. It's basically, you know, the, the people are essentially, they're in the, the, it's not a church, but wherever the hell they're staying, uh, they're in this one building. And so that's where the, all the action takes place for the most part. And so it's a very like one, one setting type of film, um, which I didn't expect, but you know, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I will have to watch it again. Um, just because I had been, I kind of like dozed off for a couple seconds here and there and I really want to give it my full attention. How could you? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it was a late night and early morning. So (laughs) it happened, but I'm I'm sending um, you the Tyra Banks flipping out gif on Twitter. (laughs) 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 We were counting on Um, you. Yeah. But you know, I, I, and don't get me wrong. I saw the vast, you know, I know what happened in this film. I, you know, uh, it was just points. I had to like wake up and rewind and I was like, oh shit. Okay, here we go again. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed the film. I will want to watch it again though. Um, I would recommend it if you are a Tales from the Crypt fan. It felt very reminiscent of what I remember from Tales from the Crypt, which I used to watch the hell out of when I was a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And so if you like those, uh, there'd be no reason you wouldn't like Demon Knight. You know, it feels like a mid nineties film, which, is is fun um will i watch it again yes i absolutely will and i want to go and dive through all the special features on the disc that i have from uh from scream factory so definitely a solid pick i'm I'm very happy that i i got to watch it so ash you got to watch (laughs) hammer of the gods (laughs) so tell us a little bit about that what's what's this film about um okay so the vikings are invading England because they need land and their king is mortally wounded in the stomach and he has like a week to live uh but you know they there's nothing they can do because it's you know way back when um mm-hmm. uh so he sends one of his two sons to go find the eldest son who was originally exiled uh to be the new king um and the youngest son uh gets his buddies and they go out, you know, to, to go get his, you get his brother and then come back. Um, it's not terrible. It's not great. Best way I can describe it. It's like 
uh, 13th warrior meets apocalypse now uh, hmm, because okay. the, the whole the whole idea is they're they're sending the brother in to go get the other brother and they have and then it's about the journey of him going to get his brother and they have to go through all these obstacles and you know the you get to know his friends and stuff like that and then you get to find his brother and his brother is basically running this fucked up cult and is basically like turned into Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now and, <laughs> and it's just like he does all sorts of weird shit and yeah it's I don't know I mean, so the acting's not bad the action sequences are pretty good uh I don't know. It just, it was kind of uneven. And it, as soon as I realized they were basically doing a medieval version of Apocalypse Now, I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, Do you remember why you initially added it to your I queue? No fucking clue. <laughs> yeah. there, wasn't, there wasn't a single actor I recognized in this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I'm honestly thinking I accidentally hit the add to my list button on this one yeah, and, and just forgot to uncheck it, uh, yeah. uh, to be honest. Um, and, and it wasn't bad. I mean, there was some bits that I liked and some bits I didn't. Um, it just it, it just kind of felt squarely in the middle. You know, I, I'd give it like a two out of four, maybe. You know, it was yeah. just it was just it was OK. You know, eh. yeah. would, I, would I recommend it? No. Would I watch it again? Yeah, maybe if I was in the mood. Um, I mm-hmm. think there are better medieval action flicks out there that I would watch before this one. Gotcha. And Mark, I didn't ask, what do you, so you gave Hammer of the Gods two out of four. Mark, what would you give Bat Babe the Dark Knighty? Oh, I wouldn't give it a score. I'd give it zero. <laughs> <laughs> so like, seriously, uh, like, there's, there's oh. even like the nudity, I, I'll be so honest, the nudity was actually pretty decent. Yeah. But it did nothing with it. Yeah. Like, e- even like the girl I met at the, at the waistline, it was just her and the other girl, uh, just like, just caressing. Mm. Uh, it did nothing for me apart from like if it wasn't batman you know related you know or themed, i should say it's batman themed i wouldn't Mm -hmm. have picked it up (laughs) it's like jerker i forgot to mention this he's a compulsive masturbator so he's jerking (laughs) everything he's jerking all the time when he's like they do you know in the dark knight uh when uh, the guy uh, when joker does the whole pencil gimmick Mm -hmm. well instead it's a dildo and the guy sits on it. So he lifts the guy and makes him sit. Like, it's dumb. It's it's juvenile. Oh it's it's juvenile adult humor. And I just yeah. don't find it funny. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Like, I'm kind of well, I'm embarrassed that I have it. I'm embarrassed for them to have made it, I guess. You know? right. Yeah, I give it a complete yeah. zero. There's nothing okay. worse. Unless you're a purist of seduction cinema. No reason yeah. to hate it. Yeah. And I, I would definitely give Tales from a Crip a solid three. Definitely, definitely enjoyed it. So, um. So this week, I'm picking for Ash. Ash is going to pick one for Mark, and Mark is going to pick one for me. So now, Ash, I went through your queue here, and I'm I'm going to be surprised if you haven't seen these. So I picked out a couple just in case, but I'm going to start at the top because I was going through your queue, and this didn't have a rating. Have you seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I have not. Oh, my God. You don't okay. What? Yeah. It's one of the greatest gifts to cinema. Okay. That's the film you get to watch for this week. And uh, it is absolutely one of my favorite films of all time. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think about it. Okay. So, Ash, what is Mark watching? Dear God, you have a lot of... Yeah. Wait, did you see Annabelle? Uh, Yes and no. I started at work. I kind of fell asleep. 
So I don't consider me watching it, but I've seen parts of it. Oh, wait, you have, have you watched Apollo 18? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, yeah, you can, I'll give you Annabelle then. Okay. No problem. Yeah. I'm going to start it from the beginning. Perfect. And, and Mark, yeah, what, what do I get to watch this well, week? I'm picking something for you that um, I loved and I'm surprised you haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, so I'm picking bad. No, um, we are still here. Oh, okay. That is fantastic. I watched it, I think, either beginning of this year or late last year, and I thought it was tremendous. I want to hear your take on it. Which one is and that? It's, it's a Fedison's in it. So awesome. Um, Barbara Crampton's in it. Um, yeah, it's an amazing movie. It's about a. <sighs> Ash, you've seen gonna... it because you talked about it on the podcast before. I, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember which movie it is. Uh, the one with the, with, with, hmm, I don't want to really ruin anything. I'll, hang on, I'll just, I'll look it up. Sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I really dug it. And okay. uh, I, I'm pretty sure you will like it. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited to watch it. Very good. Thank yeah. you for not uh, oh, yeah. picking okay, something yeah, terrible. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like, we can't be terrible every week and be mean to each other. So. No, absolutely. And the only reason that that one was terrible was because I went through a bunch of good ones, and that was the only damn thing that you hadn't seen. Well, so you went alphabetically, and we were at B. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so it's all good. All right. So I'm excited. So that should be good. So we will be watching and talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Annabelle, and we are still here next week. So make sure you tune in for next week's episode to hear those discussions. All right, so that's going to be that for this week for episode 63 of the podcast. We are going to continue our Rob Zombie retrospective next week with a review of the direct-to-video animated film, The Haunted World of El Superbisto. So this is sure to be a lot different than what we've seen so far. So. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I threw up a little bit. <laughs> the yeah, thought of having to watch that again. Oh, my oh, I'm not excited for this, I'll be honest with you. Not yeah. excited, yeah. I'm not either, but it's a... Necessary evil to yep. get through his filmography. Yep. So, <laughs> all right. So, as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or whatever podcast app it is that you listen to us on. Positive reviews help us get more listeners. And so, we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. Thank you for letting us take a couple hours out of your day yet again to listen to the three of us talk about movies. We really appreciate you guys listening. And thank you, Mark and Ash, for joining me again. I had a blast talking about this second remake in this arc. So did I. Absolutely. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.